0: Well, it's good to see everybody here today. Thank you, as uh, Jerry said and as uh, Liz prayed, thanks for being here on this Sunday, this Memorial Day weekend. We do give thanks to God for all those who have given their lives in service of our country and to each of you and to your family members who who are maybe still serving our country and our armed forces, so we're thankful for that, especially on this day and on this weekend. Thanks for being here in worship. We're going to continue in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've talked about in Ephesians chapter 4 how Paul calls all of us to unity in Christ, how we are all part of the body of Christ. And then last week, Jerry talked about a little bit how pastors and church leaders are like equipment managers, equipping all of you who are the players to go out and play the game of life and to represent Jesus uh, in the world. And today we're looking at Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 17 through 24 this is god's word and i'll read and uh, you listen that'd be great so i tell you this and insist on it in the lord that you must no longer live as the gentiles do in the futility of their thinking they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of god because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts having lost all sensitivity They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life that you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's pray. Lord, may you bless this reading of your word, our discussion about it, and then our application about it even today. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, How many of you have, like, an old shirt or an old piece of clothing you like to wear around the house? Anybody that you you like? You really wouldn't wear it out in public, so I see a lot. So, okay. Here's mine. How many of you? Well, let me ask you this. How many of you is that shirt or piece of clothing, like, 20 years old? Anybody got something 20? Brent does. Okay. So, okay. I'm thinking this shirt here is probably 20 years old. I don't know if you can see that. It's kind of a flannel-feeling shirt. It's got some white paint on it there. Um, And the... uh, The the collar around here is actually coming apart. So I've actually worn this in public a few times recently, although I really, really, really should. It's kind of of like when I'm wearing it around the house on a cool day and then actually like go to the gas station or the grocery store and forget that you're actually wearing this, you know, so it's not good. But this shirt, we have a picture of me when, uh, when my kids were born. It was either Jacob or Alexia who were 17 and 15, and I'm wearing this shirt, so I know it's old. And I've also worn this shirt probably more than 10 years ago. Uh, I don't know if you know about this. Jerry mentioned Noah's Ark earlier in the announcements. Uh, Noah's Ark has a Mickey Mouse Day. And so uh, Sherry Pipkins, who's the director of Noah's Ark, loves Disney and Mickey Mouse. And they have a Mickey Mouse Day where kids at Noah's Ark can dress up like a Disney character. So on a couple of occasions, I'd say more than 10 years ago, I wore this shirt with the rest of a costume to be Woody from Toy Story. So you can kind of see the Woody, you know, the underneath. I had the brown vest. I had the hat. I'm not wearing that today. Okay, I'm I'm not doing that today. But this is my favorite shirt, and it's comfortable, and I like it. It has good memories, and I like to wear that shirt. But at some point, I need to throw it out. And I know that I don't need to wear it in public, but at some point, it, it needs to go. And why is that? It's because sometimes we need to throw out the old things and uh, start over. We need to take off the old and put on the new. And that's really what we're talking about today. Uh, In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24, we need to put on the new self, taking off the old self, our old ways, so that Jesus living in us, with Jesus living in us, we can be different and we can have new purpose for our lives. We can look new, we can feel new with Jesus being in us and be new creatures in him. If we look back a couple of chapters in Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So we were dead in our old sin, but we are new and alive in Christ. The old is gone, the new is come. It's out with the old and in with the new as Christians. That's the way we're supposed to live. And yet, Oftentimes, it's still hard to do. Because I think in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul kind of lays out two different ways. He talks about the way of the Gentiles and the way of Jesus. And really, if you want to say it, I think a way easier for us to understand, when he says the way of the Gentiles, is really kind of the way of the world. What's the way of the world, and then what's the way of Jesus? How are we supposed to live if we're following Jesus that's not like the world? And yet, easily, even for Christians, sometimes We want to pick up that old shirt or that old ways and put it back on because they're comfortable and they bring back good memories, they make us feel good, but we don't want to live that way. Now, Paul can be pretty direct and pretty harsh. So here's how he spells out is the way of the world or Gentiles, as he says it in Ephesians 4 in these first few verses. He says, they have futile thinking, uh, darkened understanding, separated from the life of God, They have ignorance due to the hardening of their hearts. And that because of these things, those of the world, the way of the world, can live a life which has lost sensitivity, given themselves over to sensuality, indulges in impurity, and has a continual lust for more. But he says, in contrast, we'll talk about these things in a minute, in contrast, Paul says, take off those old things. You know, you don't want the way of the world, we wanted the way of Jesus And it looks a little more like this, and Jerry will talk some more about this next week, but here's in our passage this week. It says, Christians are to put off the old self, which is corrupted, put on the new self, who we are in Christ, including our behavior, the way we act, because, it says, we know, we've studied, we know the way of Jesus because we're followers of Him. We're saved in His grace. And if... uh, And then we are to have a new attitude in our minds and that we are created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. And that righteousness especially is a really churchy word, so I looked up a definition of it this week and I thought this was great. Righteousness is really loving what is good and right. Those are good things, loving what is good and right. And so as Christians, we are hoping to be seen as people who are loving What is good and right, that we are compassionate, that we are tenderhearted, that we are good. And yet, as you know, you know, we read in the newspapers, we look online for news, we watch our televisions. A lot of times Christians today are under attack that maybe we aren't seen as good or right or loving. And in his book uh, called "UnChristian," David Kinnaman, who's a researcher with the George Barna Group, he wrote a whole book about this, says that especially young people in America today, young adults, uh, see Christians in a different way maybe than we see ourselves. Here's what young people, young Americans see Christians as, and he, he wrote a book about this. And the reason he wrote the book wasn't to slam Christians, because he is one, but to tell us what are some remedies of the ways that we can change our ways, and we'll talk about that too. He says, here's how young people in America often see Christians. Sheltered, hypocritical, judgmental, insensitive, boring, and only concerned with converting others. And when I read that, I was kind of like, ouch, that kind of hurts, you know. I don't want to be thought of as that. I want to think of being different, of the way that Paul is calling us to be, the way God is calling us to be in Scripture. And as I look at, and I'll talk about this in a few minutes as well, as I look out amongst you, and as I know many of you, I feel like you are ones that are living a life that is different than that, of not being judgmental and sensitive and such. Paul writes that as we we are people, we should be compassionate. Uh, We should have a new self, a new attitude in our minds, putting off the old self and a lust for more. So, how do we do that? How do we Get out of the old ways of thinking. How do we get into the new ways of thinking, new in Christ, living in us, and then be people who aren't seen as that judgmental or insensitive or hypocritical, but be people who are seen as compassionate, caring, loving what is right and good. How can we do that? Well, I think it starts with the heart. And there's a small phrase, it's in four, uh, Ephesians 4.18, verse 18, where it says, people who are the way of the world are hard-hearted, it says this comes from being separated from God. And it says another way, I was I was doing a little research this week to translate that is a calloused, a calloused heart. So I know that some of you last week were here, and after church, you put on some work clothes and you spread mulch and you trimmed bushes and you raked leaves, you pulled leaves out of some hidden spots around the church. And I wanted to thank you. The spring spruce up is what we had last Sunday after church. So Thank you if you were part of that. I think my family was a little inspired because Sunday afternoon we went home and I was kind of resting. And I noticed my mom and dad were here visiting, and a couple of my family members were out working in the yard, my son Graham especially. And so after a while, everybody was out there and I felt kind of guilty. I'm like, well, maybe I should go outside and help. So I did. So Claire and I went out and I went in and we actually went to, uh, to Lowe's and I bought a bunch of mulch and we spread mulch. And many hands made light work. But some years I will tell you uh, that uh, I end up doing a lot of the mulch and the yard stuff. I was like, I'll do it on a day when the kids are in school and I'll do it myself because I know the way I like it and I'll get it done. And then I end up with blisters on my hands, all right? Because, you know, I don't work my hands a lot here at church. I don't know if you know that. But, you know, during the week, typing on a computer, reading my Bible, you know, talking on the phone maybe to some of you, having a coffee or lunch, uh, coming up with questions for home groups. I don't use my hands a lot, okay, right? So when I do a lot of yard work, I'm going to get blisters. And when you get blisters, then if you continue to work, you continue to use your hands in the same kinds of way, you can get calluses. I know my son Jacob is really into sports, and sometimes he gets calluses on his hands where he holds a baseball bat or a tennis racket. And what do calluses look like on your hands? It's where the skin changes color. You know, it gets hard, so instead of that pretty skin color, whatever your skin color is, it kind of turns that, that gray kind of hard and you lose sensitivity there, which if you're working your hands a lot can be good because your hands become tough, but you lose feeling there. Well, what's that like if we think about our hearts like that? What if we have hard hearts or calloused hearts? You think about if your heart gets tough and, uh, and it kind of changes color and you lose sensitivity in your heart, and you lose feeling in your heart. And that's sort of what Paul says here. If we have hard hearts, we can be living in the ways of the world, our calloused hearts. A friend of mine is a pastor, and he used to be a youth pastor as well. And um, we, were, we had lunch, I don't know, several months ago. And uh, he works with adults. And so he, he asked me, he said, So Scott, how do you like working with adults more than youth? when you did several years ago. And I kind of hesitated. I was thinking about my answer. And he said, you know, well, youth are still pretty open-minded, but adults are jaded and in debt. So is that true? Are we jaded and in debt as adults? I don't know. Okay, I know I'm in debt. I hope I'm not jaded on most things. But when I thought about it, I said, that's part of the problem sometimes of living a lot of life. You know, we've lived a lot of life. We lived through some hard times. We faced rejection. We faced defeat. We've lost jobs. We've maybe lost loved ones. We've been through some hard times. And if we're not careful, that can lead to a hard heart. So what do we do, I think, sometimes? How do we try to fill our heart or maybe fill the empty spaces uh, when we live that way in the way of the world? So Paul says one of the ways of the world here is a lust for more. He talks about several things, impurity, darkness, ignorance to the things of God, but he says a lust for more. It was reported that John D. Rockefeller, at the height of his wealth back in the last century in the oil industry, he was asked, how much money did he need? And he answered, one more dollar. I need one more dollar. He had a lust for more. And really, this can be, um, I think, part of our comfort, sort of like wearing a comfortable shirt. You know, if I just have a little bit more, if I just have a, a little bigger house, if I have a little more money, it gives me security. It'll make me feel better. If I can get that new thing, that new gadget, whatever it is, that little bit of lust for more, that's going to make me happy. That's going to kind of make everything okay. And Paul says, be careful of that because that's the way of the world. We don't need that. Put away those former things. Put away off those old things. Put away the ways of the world. Instead, put on Christ and fight against those things, the ways of the world. So how do we be careful not to have hard hearts? Or so if we feel ourselves getting a hard heart, what do we do? Paul says be tender-hearted. And I'm going to borrow a phrase from next week's scripture. And this is from Ephesians 4:32. So I hope Jerry won't be mad, but I'm borrowing this from Ephesians 4:32, where it says Paul says be kind to one another. This is in the NRSV translation. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, Forgiving one another as God and Christ has forgiven you, and so that word there, tender-hearted. The NIV, which we read today, says compassionate. We are to be tender-hearted and compassionate. So here at ZPC, we have six marks or six values, and the first of those values or six marks is a heart for Christ alone. And I looked up kind of how do we define what a heart for Christ alone is. It says this here at ZPC. Jesus becomes the priority in our lives, we worship Him with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength. And when we have a heart for Christ alone, we can become tender-hearted. We begin to look and what's it mean to be tender-hearted? I think we begin to look at the world and we begin to look at other people the way that Jesus did. You know who did Jesus spend a lot of his time with? People who were poor, who were hurting, Uh, One of our favorite stories from the Jesus Storybook Bible was Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus was kind of an outcast. He was a tax collector, and it said in that very short story that people didn't like Zacchaeus. Well, Jesus went to his house. What if we start looking with tender hearts the way uh, the world, the way that Jesus looks in the world, and I think this can help us to have uh, tender hearts, I wanted to tell you about two people in our church family, and I like, like to try to highlight some of you because I think you guys are living out oftentimes the way of Jesus. I wanted to highlight two people just recently, and this isn't within the last month or so, that I feel like we're having a heart for Christ alone. Tender hearts. So I got a phone call, I think it was on a Tuesday, and it was a man from our church, a member of our church, very active here, and he said there was another family in the church that, uh, that I didn't really know very well that a person had passed away in their family, and I might need a heads up to give them a call. And so pretty soon I got another call from a lady in the church, and she told me the same thing. You may need to know this person passed away. You may want to give them a call. So I did. So I started thinking about these two and ended up we did, we did have a, memorial, a small memorial service here for that family. And both this man and this lady who had called me came and helped at the memorial service. It was really neat. But as I was thinking of them, I just admire them for who they are. And so the first is a man who's a member of our church. He's kind, he's generous, he always has a smile, he always has a warm handshake. I, I know I like this, I don't know about you men, but he, he shakes your hand and then he kind of grabs your arm with the other hand because you know he's really caring and he's warm and friendly and he's just generous. Even if he doesn't know you well, he pretends that he knows you really well. He's just He's kind and he's good. And he's a man, I think the way he treats people he has a heart for Christ alone. And I'm like, I want to be like him when I get older, okay? The other phone call was from a member of ZPC as well, and, and I would say both these folks are in our second half Adventurers group. Um, they're over 60, and I hope they wouldn't mind saying they're quite a bit well over 60, okay? They're in our second half Adventurers group. It's a lady in our church, and she also gave me a call about this, uh, this church family member that passed away. Well, she's a neat lady. So, in the last few years, I know that she's given rides to people, a couple of different people here at the church who couldn't get to church. So, she found that out, and she would go pick them up at their house and make sure that they had a ride to church. There was a family that was struggling, and there was a lady in the hospital who, it turned out, was dying in the hospital. Many, many times, this lady, an elderly lady in our church, went to visit her and make many, many visits She serves on our bereavement team. So when we had this memorial service a couple of weeks ago, she comes in with our bereavement team, which if you don't know is really cool. When there's a memorial service or a funeral here, they get a phone call. Sometimes it's on like 48, 72 hours notice, sometimes with a little more notice than that. And they they bring in coffee and and they make coffee and lemonade and donuts and cookies. and, And we set up tables and make them look nice and put out some decorations. And so instead of coming into the gathering space and everything sort of being cleared out, it looks warm and friendly, and there's some smiling faces. And so this lady serves on our bereavement team, and she's been here, I know, twice in the last month. And as I think about her, you know, she could be, both of them actually could be people who were kind of jaded or hard-hearted because they've seen a lot of life. And yet, they're warm, they're kind, they're generous, and even though they're kind of on the back side of life, the back end of life, they're still looking for ways of how they can serve and have a heart for Christ alone. And so I think that's really what it looks like. Paul also says not only do we need a heart for Christ alone, that we need a mind transformed, and and that's not exactly his words, but that's our words as part of the values of the six marks. He says in verse 23, we need to be made new in the renewing of our minds or have new attitude In our minds in another place Paul says this in scriptures Romans 12 2 he says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what the will of God is his good and pleasing and perfect will so we all need a heart for Christ alone to look like those two friends of ours here at ZPC and have minds transformed by the word. So now, if you're an old or you've been around here for years, you're like, okay, well, there goes the six marks. I know what the six marks are. You know, there's pictures of them out in our gathering space. If you don't know that, walk out in the gathering space, look up high. you'll see pictures of the six marks up there. But don't zone out on these because this is important. If you're newer at ZPC or if you're visiting, this is kind of part of our ZPC heritage, things that we value. If we want all of us as disciples of Jesus Christ to look like. This is part of our current life, who we are in Christ. So we kind of talked about what's it look like to have a heart for Christ alone? What's it look like to have a mind transformed by the word so that we can live differently for Jesus? Well, I have a friend who several years ago, he attends another church now. He attended the Great Banquet, and he had a great time. But more than a great time, as I talked to him about his experience at this Great Banquet, which is a 72-hour spiritual retreat, he talked about what he learned. And he said growing up in life, and he's a guy probably in his 40s, he said growing up in life, he had felt that being a Christian was following a bunch of rules. It was very legalistic. It was about you have to do all the right things. And he said it was very hard to do. And as he kind of talked about, I almost started kind of thinking about that. that's the kind of life, if we think that's what it's being like a Christian, is to follow all the rules all the time. That could kind of lead to having a hard heart. And he said what he learned, so this is the mind transformed by the word, and what he learned at Great Banquet was it was more about grace. It was the love of Jesus Christ that everything has been done for us. We, we can do nothing to earn our way to heaven, but it is Jesus giving his life for us so that we have his grace, so that we can have life for him. And out of gratitude and thankfulness, then we can live for him in grace with others. He and I then went on, he was a friend of mine, we went on to do a discipleship series through the one-to-one ministry here at this church where we studied four books together. So we were meeting together, we were opening up these books, we brought our Bibles, we were reading Bible passages, we were memorizing Bible passages. And again, through these books, he talked about how his eyes were open to think in new ways by getting into the Bible, by reading it, and so he started living it out and it made his difference. That's what it can be like to have a mind transformed by the Word. That's why we want to continue to encourage you to get involved in Bible studies, to do your own Bible studies, to pick up a devotional book at home or to, to purchase one if you don't have one or to get involved in a home group where you open up your Bible, you read it, and you think about, how can this apply to my life? And we don't just read it and studying it for study's sakes. We do ask, how can this apply to my life? How can I use this in my life? Some of you may have read a popular book that came out in the last several years called uh, Love Does by Bob Goff. And I read this book a few years ago, and then I I reread it just recently. And in the book, um, Goff has a lot of humor, but there's a lot of truth, too. And he says near the end of the the book, he and his friends stopped doing Bible study. And he he said they stopped doing Bible study because they just got tired of studying Jesus And in his own kind of words, he said, it got a little bit creepy. He said, I almost feel like I was stalking Jesus because I was just looking at Jesus. I was studying about Jesus. I was memorizing his phrases and things about him. And he goes, but I wasn't doing anything with it. He goes, so we stopped doing Bible study and we started Bible doing. He said, they changed the name of it. He said, so what's Bible doing? He said, they would get together, they would study the Bible, and then they would immediately say, how can we live this out? And then when they came back the next week, they might study something else, but they say, how did we do this week on living this out? Bible doing. And you might say, well, that's really good, but is is this guy really living it out? And he is. Bob Goff started uh, a ministry in Uganda. I'm not sure how all he got connected there. He's an attorney, and he started a foundation there um, to go to Uganda and to help youth who were wrongly imprisoned in Uganda to get their cases to trial and get a fair hearing so that for many of them they could get freed from prison, from a life of, of prison. He even helped start a boarding school there for kids to have a safe place to live and get an education that was Bible doing. So back to the six marks for just a minute. How do we go from, from kind of the way of the world to the way of Jesus? How do we go if if we're sensing in our lives at all because the world is tough, life is hard, if we have a little bit of that calloused heart, how do we have a tender heart, back to the six marks. We need to have a heart for Christ alone so that tender heart by living for Christ, realizing who Jesus is, that he gave his life for us so that out of gratitude, out of love, we can live in grace for him. We have a mind transformed by the word where we're studying God's word so that then we know how to live it and know how to apply it in our lives. And then we can be tender-hearted, compassionate, and we can kind of live out those other six marks. We can have knees for prayer, arms of love for others, see the world in the way that Jesus does. We can be stewards of the thing God's given us. We can learn how to be servants and we can have a voice for God's good news. That's what God wants us to do and how he wants to live with tender hearts, compassionate for him, taking off the old self and putting on the new. I know Liz, in her prayer, prayed for uh, graduation. Uh, I went to a, a graduation open house yesterday. I know for a lot of our students of various ages, high school, college, a lot of college graduations have happened. A lot of high school graduations are are coming up. And I don't know if you know, but this is something that's been new to me in the last few years. A lot of high school graduates are given a gift, and one of those gifts is uh, a book by Dr. Seuss called Oh, the Places You'll Go. Has anybody seen that, like at high school graduations, Oh, the Places You'll Go by Dr Seuss here's there's a lot of quotes it kind of talks about you know stepping out and doing new things in life now that you're at a stage to do new things in life and one of the quotes from oh the places you'll go says this the more that you read the more things you will know the more that you learn the more places you'll go say that again the more that you read the more things you will know the more that you learn the more places you'll go so what are we reading are we studying God's word Are we letting God's Word come into our lives so we can have new hearts for Christ alone, tender hearts? Are we looking at the world the way that Jesus looks at the world? We start to look at the world in that way. Our hearts are tender, we're compassionate, and we start to think, how can I live a life for Christ? How can I make a difference in the world? How can I go out and play the game of life for Jesus? That's our call that we want to do this week. If our music leaders would come back up, we're ready to sing. And as they're on their way up, I'll ask you to stand. We're going to sing about God's amazing grace. Let's stand together.